want to want to welcome those of you in the room in our second service today and want to welcome those online we did this first service we should do this more often but can we just uh can we give a shout out and can we welcome those in our online today we want to welcome you as well here today we're glad you're here today's a great day and i appreciate so many of you and your concern just i don't know if it's having fun with me or if it's truly deep concern it's it's tough to tell the difference but over my broncos and where they're starting and where they've been and uh, some of you it just the the look looks like you really do care i can't tell but i'm going to take it that you do and i just want you to know i'm okay i am okay um actually you might be surprised but i am rooting for them to lose every single game including to the winless chicago bears today because if we lose every single game we get caleb williams as the number one all draft uh, number one pick which he's the next thing to mahomes and so you better watch out because we're coming if that happens and so um any Anyway, just thank you. No, we're having, we like to have fun here. We're, we are a church that we believe God's people should have fun. We've been given, we've been set free. God has forgiven us of our sins. So uh, let's celebrate. Let's enjoy what God has uh, done for us. So it's fun to have a good time in church. Any of you have, um, have a light bulb moment uh, where something clicks and you change direction? Uh, all of us have that. I mean, you're probably thinking of a moment where a light bulb clicked on and it changed your trajectory, the way that you live, the way in which you would, you went a new direction. I thought of my life, my senior year of high school, I had senioritis. I was so ready for school to be done and I was ready to get out and go on to the next thing. And uh, my mom, she was a softy, and a few times I had, you know, asked her if she would call in and let them know I'm going to be late. And even sometimes just, I'm not going to make it today she did that a couple times and I pushed my luck one one day and I she as she came in she says yeah your alarm's been going off you haven't got up you need to get up it's time to go to school and I said mom I don't want to go today would you just would you just call in for me she's like no we've done that too many times you're going to school today and I was like but I'm not feeling so good and she's like no you're going to school today you feel fine and I don't know what got into me at that moment. I like to say and blame it on the devil or a demon got into me. And I, I just said, I'm, I'll do it. If, I, I said, I'll do, I, I'm, I'm not going to school. And she said, well, when I get back in five minutes, you better be out of bed and on your way or we're going to, there's going to be some consequences. And she left, shut the door. And I don't know what got into me again. A, a demon entered me or something. And I just said, woman, I'll do what I want. I know stupid uh my mom today she's like in her 80s and she says you shouldn't tell that story it doesn't make you look very good i realized that but here's what i heard the moment i said that i heard this the door came flying open i heard kent allen she came marching through that door. You heard Pastor Aaron talk about the middle name. When you get called your middle name, you know it means something. She came over and she started shaking me, all five foot three or four of her. She started shaking me. And I get, again, I don't know what got into me. The more she shook me, the more I began to giggle. And I just began to start laughing until a light bulb moment happened and a change of direction when I heard her say these words. We'll see how funny you think this is when your father gets home today. Light bulb clicked on change of direction. I don't think I ever got ready for school so fast as I did that morning. It was a change of direction, a light bulb. And, and we've been talking about the names God's changed. And when I heard Kent Allen 
You know, that's a, that's a change of direction that we know sometimes needs to take place. And we've been talking about the names God's changed. And we talked about Abraham the first week. And when God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And when God met him at 99 years of age, we know that he, he saw God as somehow a resemblance or whatever. So much so that he fell to his face. He got on his hands and knees because he had a light bulb moment. He knew he was in the presence of God. We know that his grandson, Jacob. We know that uh, Jacob wrestled with God, we learned, and he wrestled with him all night. And, and at the end of that wrestling match, Jacob asked God to bless him. And God said, what is your name? Of course, he knows what his name is, but he said, what is your name? And that was a light bulb moment because at that moment he had to say, I'm Jacob. Which means I'm a deceiver. I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. I'm a sinner. It was a light bulb moment, but God gave him a new name, Israel. And it changed not only his life, but it changed our lives, changed our trajectory. We know that last week that Pastor Aaron was talking about how um, Simon became Peter. And one of my favorite things about the story of Simon, there's several light bulb moments that Peter had. Uh, but one of those, the, his most victorious moment was when Jesus was having this conversation with his disciples. He's like, hey guys, what's the word on the street? What are people saying about me? Who, who do they say that I am? And Peter spoke up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, I tell you that not man didn't tell you this, but my father in heaven revealed this to you. And so now I tell you that you, Simon, son of Jonah, will no longer be called Simon, but you, you will be called Cephas or Peter, which means rock. And on this rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It was a, a change of direction for us. We're here today because of that change of direction. So the last name that we're going to talk about there was other names that God's changed but the last one we're going to talk about today is Saul who became the apostle Paul who wrote 14 of the 27 books of the New Testament nearly two-thirds of the New Testament were written and we we read them almost every Sunday it seems like something from the apostle Paul well different than the other names God didn't change his name God didn't change Saul's name to Paul and a lot of us know the story, but I don't want to assume that everyone does. And so I'm just going to give you a reader's digest of Saul's life. Saul hated Christians, despised him. In fact, the name Saul means destroyer. And he lived up to his name. He was destroying the, the church. He was killing Christians. He was persecuting Christians, putting them in jail. He was doing everything he could to stamp out the Jesus movement and to stamp out Christianity. When he had on one of those expeditions, he was met by a blinding light and a voice that came out of nowhere, out of heaven, that said, Saul, Saul, on this road to Damascus, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who, who is this? Who are you, Lord? And he said, you, this is Jesus who you're persecuting. And in that moment, his eyes were blinded. And for three days, he, was, he spent in, in, in isolation and, and was completely overwhelmed with blindness until God healed him and touched him. From that moment on, he became a different man. But he didn't instantly become Paul. God didn't say, now you're Paul. Actually, after his conversion, we see that he's, he's named in, in Acts 11 or 13 times more by the name of Saul. 
It's only when Saul went out and began and he began to go to leave Jerusalem that Luke, the writer of Acts, began to refer to him exclusively as Paul. It wasn't because God changed his name from Saul to Paul, but it was because he was leaving Jerusalem. Uh, He was a Hebrew and a Roman. Uh, It means that Saul was his Hebrew name and Paul was his Roman Greek name. And he had that because... He was, he was a Hebrew. He was his nationality. He was born a Jew, but he was born in a Roman province, which gave him dual citizenship. It'd be much like uh, someone from Germany or for France being born in the United States. They're given dual citizenship. They're automatically, by being born in our country, they're given citizenship as a United States citizen. And that's what happened to Paul or Saul. Saul was his Hebrew name. Probably took that name from the first king of Israel, King Saul, who came before David. And Saul came from the last of the 12 sons of Jacob from the tribe of Benjamin. Saul too, or Paul, also came from the tribe of Benjamin. But when he began to go by Paul was when he began to go out to the Roman and the Greek world and begin to spread the gospel. And it was removing a barrier because Saul the destroyers who he would have been knowing at, known as and now Paul was out there with a new name breaking down barriers breaking down walls and of course we're here today because the gospel was spread in Europe and Asia and all the missionary journeys that Paul went on and Paul uh, was willing to change his name he's willing to change his style he's willing to change um, his language whatever it took in fact we're going to look at Paul's philosophy of ministry today that gives us an insight to how he operated and how he lived in 1st Corinthians nine nineteen, I, I believe this is Paul's philosophy of ministry he says though I am free and belong to no one he's free because he was born a Roman citizen which gave him all the rights and privileges of being a Roman much similar to us being born in the United States though I am free and belong to no one I have made myself a slave to everyone and I want us to pay attention to these the, the, this, this is the big word to win as many as possible to the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews to those under the law I became like one under the law though I myself am not under the law so as to win those under the law to those not having the law I become like one not having the law though I am not free from God's law but I'm under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law to the weak I became weak to win the weak I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings five times it's one of the reasons I love Paul I believe Paul, uh, he would have been my pastor because he was a sports guy. There's other places in the scripture that he talked about running to win. He talked about athletics and being in the arena. Paul, I love sports or he was relating to his audience that loves sports. And so he was, he, he, he just talked about, he wanted to win. And as Saul, he wanted to win and to stamp out Christianity and stamp out the Jesus movement. But as Paul, he was willing to do anything and everywhere, anything and and everything to win people to Christ, to advance the gospel. Um, Us Chiefs and Broncos fans, 
we can share in a similarity today. Not a lot of things unite us, uh, but today we are united by this. Um, we're united for our hatred of the devil's team. And you know who the devil's team is. We all know that's the, yes, thank you. The Raiders. We share that in common. And if, I'm sorry, if you're a Raiders fan here today and you're offended by that, too bad. Um, anyway, you're probably not welcome in this church. So I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We love all sinners. Um, so anyway, the Raiders, we, we, we don't like the Raiders, but there was something that I respect that I liked about the late Al Davis. He had a simple philosophy, just win, baby, just win, baby. You know, the Broncos philosophy this day is, is just don't embarrass yourself, baby. Just don't embarrass yourself. His was just win, baby. And that was Paul. Paul just wanted to win. And he was willing to lose everything else. He was willing to lose a lot of stuff in order for the thing that mattered the most to win people to Christ. In fact, in the Philippians uh, to the church in Philippi, he said, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was born into the right family. He was born into the right heritage. He, 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 he had that going for him in regard to the law of Pharisee. He was born into the religious elite, the, the ones that people respected more than anyone else. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He was listing out his resume, but this is what he says about his resume and his accolades and his, excuse me, his achievements. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, garbage that I may gain Christ. He didn't care about his birthright, his privileges, his degrees, his pedigrees. He abandoned his accomplishments and his accolades. He traded in his traditions and his titles. He traded it all in for one thing, that he would know Christ. That he would know Christ and Christ alone. I, I love when people have a, a singular focus and passion. Because when you, have, when you say singular on a mission, whether it's for your company or your team or your, or your business. When, you have, when your employees and everyone on the team has the same singular focus, amazing things can happen. And he had a singular focus. Uh, one of my favorite inspirational movies is the movie Lincoln about our 16th president. And uh, it's about the abolishment of slavery and the 13th Amendment. And one of the main characters is Thaddeus Stevens, played by Tommy Lee Jones. And, and he's, the, he's the representative from, the, from Pennsylvania. He spent his whole life fighting against the travesty of slavery and the injustice of it. And they come to the place where President Lincoln has put the 13th Amendment before them to vote on and they're struggling to get the votes. But if he takes his hard stance uh, of the conservative part of his party and, and says something the way that he really believes it, the vote's gonna go down. So he compromises just a little bit. In fact, some of his own party feel like he felt like he was selling out, but he had one mission. And his one mission was to abolish slavery, to see, to see it never uh, be a part of our uh, constitution again. In fact, I love the scene so much. It inspires me. It's about a two-minute clip. Here it Even is. Even you, Pendleton, who should have been gibbeted for treason long before today, even worthless, unworthy you, ought to be treated equally before the law. Yeah. 
again, sir, and again and again and again, I say, I do not hold with equality in all things, only with equality before the law. surprised today mr stevens i was surprised you've led the battle for race equality for 30 years the basis of of every hope for this country's future life you denied negro equality i'm nauseated you refused to say that all humans are well human have you lost your very soul mr stevens is there nothing you won't say? I'm sorry, you're nauseous, Asa. That must be unpleasant. I want the amendment to pass so that the Constitution's first and only mention of slavery is its absolute prohibition. For this amendment, for which I have worked all of my life and for which countless colored men and women have fought and died and now hundreds of thousands of soldiers. No, sir. No. Seems there's very nearly nothing. Thaddeus was willing to say anything and everything. He had one goal in mind, and the mission was to abolish slavery, human slavery. And the Apostle Paul had one goal, one mission in mind, and that was to abolish spiritual slavery. He wanted every man, woman, and child to be set free from the slavery of sin and to be set free in Christ and to know the freedom in Christ. And Paul was willing to do anything. He was willing to say anything to end spiritual slavery because Paul was on a mission to win Christ. Paul was an incredible exegetical pastor. Uh, I, I, ex, ex, to exegete means to kind of break it down, help put it in smaller pieces so that we can understand it and we can make sense of it. And I know a lot of Christians, they love to exegete the scriptures. And, and that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing, but they fail to exegete their audience and their culture. The Apostle Paul was a master at this. He didn't just uh, exegete the scriptures, but he would exegete his audience. And, and he would see who they were and he would read his audience well. And if they were Jews, he was going to do whatever he had to do to relate to the Jews. If, if they were Gentiles or Romans or Greeks, he was going to be like the Romans and the Gentiles or the Greeks. If, if, if they were poor, he was going to take on poverty. If they were rich, he was going to be rich. He was going to do whatever, it, like a chameleon, he, short of he was willing to do anything to the weak I have become weak to win the weak I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some Saul was willing to do anything so was the old Paul you know Saul he was passionate too Saul incited fear in Christians why Paul inspired people to become Christians he, he lived a, an incredible life that inspired people to follow Jesus. 
and he would stop at nothing, do, do anything. It, it didn't matter his circumstances. He didn't just preach from the comfort of a pulpit like I am today, but some of his best inspiring messages, four of his letters were written in a prison cell behind four walls, chained. And he inspired a jailer and his family to follow Jesus while in that prison cell. Some of his most inspirational work, and you know this, some of the best movies like the one that we just kind of referenced here, the best movies, or any good movie for that matter, what does it have in it? It's not easy street. It's not everything's going well. The, the most inspiring thing, there was a lady in our service, in our first service today, Marion, and she was saying this last week, she went to the Dylan lecture series. And the guy that was speaking was the guy that had to saw off his arm by himself. Uh, it's called, I've watched the movie, called 127 Hours. And he was stuck in a, in a mountain and, and he, was, he would have died, but he, he cut his arm off and then walked like nine miles. And, and now he's in inspiring, uh, given speeches. He's sharing his life. What makes it inspiring that his life was good and easy? No, what was inspiring is like, despite the obstacles, despite the hardships and the travesties, and some of you live such inspiring lives. I've watched you as you've battled heartache and I've watched you as you've battled cancer and, and disease and sickness. And it's in those moments that our faith is truly tested. It's easy for anybody to follow Jesus when things are good, but when, when, when the rubber hits the road, and life hits hard. When Paul was beaten, it inspired the church to advance the gospel, not to retreat. Paul was inspired by the good news. He inspired others. Paul's life was an example to us like that of Jesus who inspired Paul. And, and now we've been inspired. So what kind of life ought we to live? How are we to live our lives? I believe not to be fake, it's not to be phony, it's not to build up emotion. But friends, we, because of what God's done for us, because of his forgiveness, his death on the cross, the freedom that we have in Christ, we should be inspiring people. When, when we go to work, one of the, my things that I'm most proud about in our community is when I go out there and one of your names will pop up and we'll realize that we both know the same person and I'll hear people saying, and this has happened many times, and they'll say, oh man, that's the best employee. They're awesome to work with. That's the best boss. I, could, I wouldn't want to work for anyone else. Oh man, they're an awesome student. How, how they, uh, I, I'm just inspired by how they represent Christ in their school. I mean, there's so many times I've been so proud to be your pastor because because you represent well. I think we have enough Eeyore Christians in our world. We don't need another one. You know, you know who Eeyore is, right? I mean, Pooh, if you had little kids, you know who Eeyore is. Eeyore was the, I'm so happy God saved me. So just praise Jesus for what a good savior he is. I mean, it so drags you down. We have enough Eeyore Christians in our world. We have enough negative Nancys. We have enough judgmental gems. What the world needs more of is inspiring Christians that realize what Christ has done for them. And, and not because circumstances are good and everything's going well, but despite our circumstances, because what Christ has done for us, that we live out what Paul said, that we are therefore Christ ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us question how appealing are we how appealing are we at work and and what does that look like i i was thinking of my daughter we we all are proud we're proud of our kids i'm no different i'm proud of two daughters and uh, you're proud of your kids you're proud of your grandkids i'm going to share a little illustration that you're going to think i'm just bragging i'm not 
I am, but I'm not. Uh, But it it, it highlights what I'm trying to talk about. About a year and a half ago, um, her senior project, we went up to watch and her her professor introduced her. And uh, these are just a few words that he said. Particularly this year, uh, working for Olivet in the marketing department, and it is so impressive. There's a lot that she has touched uh, graphically in in the marketing design for Olivet, uh, brochures, flyers, so much. And just really, really proud of her. My favorite quality of Reagan is, I really mean this, every room she is in, she makes that room better. Um, let's give it up for Reagan. And that's what we should do. As Christians, we should make every room that we walk into better. Not to be fake, not to be phony. No one likes a guy that's just over the top, you know, Tigger. I mean, I was, I used Tigger as an example. Tigger can get on your nerves. So, I mean, he's a little bit too much. But I do think there should be something about us because of what Christ has done for us. That when we walk into a room, we should make it better. When we walk into our workplace, we should be known in our work as the best employee, the best co-worker. We should be known as the best boss. We should be known as the best classmate, as the best teammate, as the best student, as the best neighbor. We should, every room we walk into should be better. And this isn't something we'll do perfectly, but we should aspire to inspire I love what someone after the first service came up to me and said, I thought you were going to say this. Have you ever heard this? I hadn't heard it before. He said, aspire to inspire before we expire. Oh, that's good. We only get one life. We don't know how long that life is that we have, but aspire to inspire before we expire in our workplace, in our schools, in our neighbors to, as ambassadors. What about us as a church? We want to be as a church, a church that is inspiring in everything that we do. When we gather and we worship, we don't need Christian Eeyore worshipers. I mean, Christ has saved us. He's forgiven us. He's not treated us as our sins deserve. He's given us a future and glory. He's given us eternity to look forward to. He's set us free. Well, that's worthy of our praise. It's worthy of our worship. And that doesn't mean someone went out on the, this morning. They said, hey, I grew up assembly of gods and I was never able to bring myself to raise even one hand. And I said, you don't have to raise your hand to worship i said my dad's never raised his hand in his life he's a dane from denmark i mean that's he's stoic that's who he is but i'm telling you he's raising his hands in his heart he is worshiping he can't sing worth a lick either so no one wants to hear that really loud but that's but if he's sitting on the front row knock yourself out but he's but we want to worship we want to inspire with our worship Uh, my goal is to to preach every week and is to inspire The goal doesn't always happen. We don't always win. But the goal is to aspire to inspire. We want to inspire our kids and our teens and our youth and our young adults. We want our senior adults to be inspiring as mentors and to our our younger generation. We want to inspire with compassion. We want to inspire people with the way that we serve, the way that we love, the way that we act, the way that we even interact with the checkout person at the grocery store. It, It should reflect something different. We should aspire to inspire them and, and, and encourage them and, and do whatever we can. What, but are we willing to do this? I desire a church to inspire our community and follow Paul's example of doing whatever it takes. Changing our methods, changing our approach, and even changing our name. Paul changed his name so he could remove a roadblock so a new group of people 
could follow and find Jesus. It's easy to talk about all these things, but are we willing to do this? What's that look like for us? I have one thing I'm going to share with us today that I want us to enter prayerfully and I want us to consider. I want us, and this is something that's been in my prayers for a couple years. Our staff has been wrestling this for 18 months. Our board has been wrestling with this for the last 12 months. My district superintendent has been wrestling with this since June when I shared it with him. Uh, But I think it's time for us to change our name. We're 120 years old and I believe it's time for us to change our name to inspire, to inspire church. I, I, and I want you to hear me out. There's a reason behind this. this isn't just to chase cool or to be cool. But if, 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 if you've heard this and now you're just kind of, you're just tuned out because you're not hearing anything else. I, I just want you to, for a moment, for the next eight, nine minutes, I want you to hear me out. here's the reasons of some why of inspired church it's for the things that we've been talking about but i just want to be clear and simple to align and unify us with our mission to to inspire and 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 let our community know who we are and who we aspire to be and honestly this is a big one to remove a barrier and a roadblock to our mission I, I want to help us to move to reach more people. Paul had his name, uh, he, he took on the name Paul instead of Saul to remove a roadblock, to help inspire others, to, to let go of his, his titles and traditions, all for the sake that people would know Christ. And I know at some point, some of you right now in this moment, I'm trying to imagine what everyone's thinking. And some of you this moment, you're excited. You like change. You're like, hey, let's do the, the new thing. If I said we're going to do another new name next week, you'd be all excited for it. I mean, that's just you, how, you're, how you're wired. Others of you this morning, you're like a little bit in shock. You didn't see this coming. You, you don't know what to think. You're just kind of looking at me like the pastors looked at me the first couple of weeks when we were talking about that. They looked with kind of some blank stares, a couple of them too. It's like, what? And they weren't opposed to changing the name, but even even though they were open to the name change, it was something new to them when I introduced this and to our board as well. I know it's, uh, there's others, honestly, you could be, um, and it's okay if you feel this way, you could be a little sad or angry or mad or upset. And, and then there's a whole group, probably there's some that just, you don't care, it's whatever, you know, it, it doesn't really matter to you. Wherever you fall in that spectrum, would you hear me out? Would you really listen to the next few moments as I share a couple things again I told you about two years ago this began to birth in my mind not the name itself but that I believe that God was calling us to to change our name to to do something to inspire our community that came later uh, uh, then the then the staff and then the and then the board uh, just last week um, for this to happen we have to vote on it as a membership but also our district advisory board, which is our Kansas district, uh, made up of pastors and people in churches across the Kansas district. They have to vote on it. And it was unanimously adopted by them uh, with our consent and with our adoption of it. They gave a unanimous approval for us to do that. And our, my district superintendent, Jim Bond, he's, just, he's a guy that's whatever it takes whatever it takes to help people come and find and follow Jesus. And so that vote took place, but I want you to hear me out. Um, We're not leaving our denomination. This is not a step before leaving the denomination. I am a fourth generation Nazarene. 
Uh, my my uh, Riley is, I, I said daughters, but really, my oldest goes to a big non-denominational church now. Uh, but my youngest goes to a Nazarene church in Chicago. So a fifth generation Nazarene. And then my great nephew, he's a sixth generation Nazarene. Five of us are pastors in the Nazarene church. My dad was the first Nazarene pastor. My brother-in-law is a Nazarene pastor. I'm a Nazarene pastor. Two of my nephews are Nazarene pastors. This is not an effort to leave the Nazarene church. I love the Nazarene church. I, I love our theology and doctrine, uh, a theology and doctrine that says that we don't just have to get by, we don't just have to survive, but Christ has come to, to not just forgive us of sin, but to set us free from sin. That doesn't mean we're gonna be perfect or live perfect, but it does mean that through the, and I don't have time to share it all today, but we're meant to live a victorious life. We're not meant to just survive, we're meant to thrive. We're meant to win, not just when we get to heaven, but we're meant to win now. And so I, I love, I'm in full agreement and in unity with our mission to make Christ-like disciples in the nation. I love our history, both locally and globally. Our church is older than the denomination. Our, our, our Nazarene denomination started in 1907. I love our global history because it was started out of compassion. In a soup kitchen in Los Angeles, California, Phineas Brzee, to help people who, who were disenfranchised, people who, who, who everyone in society had given up on. That's where it started. And then they combined forces with uh, the holiness movement in Pilot Point, Texas in 1907. I, I love our local history. We were started by two ladies in 1897 who began to pray for our community, who began to start Bible studies in our community, who just wanted so bad a movement of God in our community. And in 1905, that launched into the official uh, launch of our church. We were actually Apostolic Holiness Church. Say that 10 times really fast. Apostolic Holiness Church. A few years later, we became First Holiness Church. And then a few years later, I'm not exactly sure when, we became First Church of the Nazarene, although legally it was 1953 that we officially became First Church of the Nazarene. So a, a new name is not new to us. There's many churches in our denomination. We're not on the cutting edge. We're just trying to reach people and more people. And I love what... Um, uh, our church, every four years, we have what's called a general assembly. We're 162 countries at the Nazarene churches around the world in six continents. They gather for an, uh, a quadrennial meetings and make decisions. And uh, our highest elected leaders are called general superintendents. And we have six of those. And one is asked to give the quadrennial address every four years. And the one to give it this last time in June of this last year was Dr. David Busick, which is actually my dad's second cousin. This is starting to feel like Kentucky, isn't it? Sorry, guys. It's my dad's second. So I don't know if that makes me third or fourth cousin. We claim him. I don't think he claims us, but we claim him. He's going to be preaching at our church next July. You're, you're going to want to put that on your calendar. I don't have that date in front of you. He's going to be preaching next July. But he gave the quadrennial address, and this is what he said in his message. The goal of the Church of the Nazarene is not to perpetuate the institution. It is to advance the mission of Jesus Christ in our world. Our denomination is simply another vehicle, just like other denominations are. This is not an attempt to leave our denomination, but I do want to be clear. I, I, I want to bring clarity to this. Um, as, as Brene Brown says, clarity is kindness. Anyone ever broken up with a girlfriend or boyfriend? 
and you went away a little bit confused if you really broke up or not. I mean, you know, kind of like dumber, dumber, you know, it's like you're saying there's a chance. I mean, I don't want to create any confusion. I want to be very clear. So I'm not meaning to be mean or curt. I'm just trying to be very clear. Like a doctor who, there's some doctors who just kind of, you know, skirt around the issue. And then there's some doctors that give you exactly what you need to know so that maybe you can make changes. Because sometimes we have to experience pain before we experience prescription. Sometimes we have to experience pain before we change. That happened for Saul. Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And for three days, he was blinded. Didn't know if he was ever going to see again. He had to experience pain before he could experience change. He had to experience pain before he could experience the prescription. So this is not meant to be mean, but I'm just being honest. And I want to be clear because clarity is kindness. Denominations are dying or in decline. Denominations are either in decline or they're dying. There's a few that you could make a case for that said, no, I know some that are growing. There's a few that are growing, but they're nowhere near keeping up with population growth. We're still losing. Denominations are decline and they're dying. Our name is a detriment to us, not a help to us. It's a barrier, not a bridge. Saul was a barrier. Paul was a bridge. And he's still the same person. He just was like, I mean, he wasn't ashamed to be Saul. He was called Saul 11 times after his conversion. But Saul and Paul, he wanted to build a bridge. So most people do not know or are unclear what a Nazarene is. Our name is inviting to the unchurched. I know a family in our church that um, has new families come into our community at different times. They've invited them there and they're like, no, that, that's not for us. We're, we're going to go to the non-denominational church like Cross Point. Cross Point is as Southern Baptist as Southern Baptist can be. And I, Andy Addis, if he, Andy comes to our church every once in a while when he gets a break. Uh, I mean, but it's for the purpose of removing roadblocks and barriers. So Lifeway Research did a study in 2021. I'm going to hit this quickly. That basically nearly 50% of Americans will not go to a church with a denomination in its name. 48% Catholic in the name is not for them. 47% Methodist, if it's in the name, not for them. 43% Baptist, not in the name, not for them. Southern Baptist, higher, 46%. Assemblies of God, 46%. If it's in the name, they say it's not for them. Pentecostal, 51%. If it's in the name, it's not for them. 46 Presbyterian, if it's in the name, it's not for them. 47% Lutheran, in the name, it's not for them. There are people who say, this is not for me. I'm not even going to try it. At this point, you may be saying, what about us Nazarenes? I've heard people call us that, Nazarenes. What about us Nazarenes? We don't even make the cut. We're not even on the list. We're a small denomination. That's nothing to be ashamed of. In in Revelation, it talks about a small and mighty church who is faithful to its mission, what God had called them to do. There's nothing wrong with being a small denomination. But it's a, it's a name that's unclear. People don't know what it means. Nazarenes isn't even on the radar. When I was growing up even, I knew this somehow a little subconsciously. When classmates in high school would ask me, what is a Nazarene? And if I knew they had some church background, maybe they were Lutheran or Presbyterian, I would say, well, we come out of the Methodist church. Or I might say we're a Protestant Christian church. If it was someone that didn't have any church background or experience, I would just simply say, we're not a cult. 
And that's literally, I've, I, literally what I've said many times growing up. We're not a cult. We're not crazy. We're not weird. Well, we are crazy. And we are weird at times, but not that kind of crazy. Our name creates more questions and confusion than clarity. So we desire our name to communicate who we are for, not what we're against. And when people drive by, we don't want them to look at our sign and say, that place, I don't think that's for me. We want them to look at our name and say, maybe, maybe that's for me. Maybe I fit there. What is this inspire? What is this about? I have a pastor friend who is in Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, He's been the pastor for over 20 years. Stephen Willis, great guy. I know his brother who's the district superintendent in Philadelphia even better. And he's been the pastor the last 20 years. First Church of the Nazarene, Lynchburg, Virginia. But two years ago, they changed their name to Compassion Church. And he says, I don't care if people say Compassion Church of the Nazarene. They say Compassion. But what matters is the sign out front we want to remove roadblocks and barriers. I tell our people, the sign out front isn't for us. We know who we are. We know what we believe. The sign out front is for others. And he gave a great story about a, a, a guy in his 30s who visited his church. He found this out later. His mother, he moved into the Lynchburg community. His mother was like, please. It was either his mother or grandmother was like, Please, when you get to Lynchburg, I want you to go to a Nazarene church. I want you to find a Nazarene church. He must have had a bad experience because he said, I'm not going to Nazarene church, mom or grandma, whatever it was. I'm not going to Nazarene church. I might go to church, but I'm not going to a Nazarene church. He drives into town and he's driving through and he sees this compassion church. And he begins to attend and he falls in love with it on the first Sunday. Because their church describes who they are. They're a church of compassion. And their compassion about their community. They're doing incredible work in the community and in their world, compassionate uh, for others. And he just fell in love with them. And about three months later, his mother visited him at church. And she had a smile from ear to ear because she'd done her research. And, and he also had found out through a membership class that they were a Nazarene church. He got tricked in to go into a Nazarene church. We're not trying to trick anybody. But we are trying to remove roadblocks. We're we're trying to remove barriers. So what's next? This is a lot to unpack. And I understand you may be sitting here with a bunch of questions. We, We want you to, we welcome those questions. For the next four weeks, we're starting a series called Inspire. Uh, we're going to share why and who we feel like God is calling us to be. Some of it's going to be familiar. Uh, some of it really hasn't changed, but we're going to launch a series called Inspire to unpack what we feel God has called and inspired us to do as a church. On October 22nd, we're going to have a church vote. Um, our church membership does have to vote on this and um, let you, I'll tell more about membership if there's things that you're interested in that. Some are interested after the first service. I'll let you know about, I just don't have time to tell you about it now, but there'll be an opportunity to do that if you want to. Um, but we do have to have a two thirds vote of our church to switch the name. And I'll be honest with you, uh, I'm, I'm praying, I'm not praying for a 68%. We barely squeak by. I'm praying for a unified body of Christ. I'm praying that we will come together and even if it's a little bit kind of different for you, that you'll actually take my mother-in-law's attitude. Um, she's battling her second round of cancer, second round of chemo for the second time this last Friday. And so Heather's not here today. Um, 
so she went to see her mother and she said, you know, mom said something yesterday that I just like to put it on a t-shirt. She said, I don't know what God wants, but I guess I'll go with it. I like that. Does that ever describe us? Things that we're going through, things that are in our lives. I don't know what God wants, but I guess I'll go with it. I guess I'll trust him. And maybe you might be in a place where, you, you know, I don't know about this, but my prayer is, is that in the next three weeks, we will, we will be inspired to be unified in this. And I'm praying for a, a unified, I'm praying for unanimous vote. I, today, there's pastors in each of the four years in our church, in the sanctuary uh, for questions. Wednesday night, uh, Pastor Nate's gonna tell you a little bit more about it, but we're gonna have first Wednesday prayer. It's not what it's gonna be about, but afterwards, if you want to stick around afterwards and have questions, we're not here to run from those questions. We, we want to have those, we have had a long time to process it and we want to do everything we can to give you an opportunity to process it as well. But I'm excited. I believe Lord willing that we vote on this on the 22nd. It's going to take months to kind of unveil this, but starting on October 29th, when we have three or 4,000 of our community descend on our campus for trunk or treat, that that's going to be a great opportunity for us to begin to tell who we are, who we aspire to be, who we aspire to inspire before we expire. That is our prayer. That is our hope. I'm going to pray for us. And then pastor Nate's going to close us out. Heavenly father. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would unite us in heart and spirit for a singular purpose and a singular mission to be able to share the good news of what you have done for us. Lord, we want to remove any and all roadblocks and barriers. We want to inspire people in our, in our work, in our schools, on our teams, in our, in our bands, in every place that we live. Lord, we want to represent you well. We want to be ambassadors that, that represent you and represent you well. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. Just help us as we navigate these waters. I believe you have great days, our greatest days ahead and in store for us as we put our faith and our trust in you. In Jesus' name.